0: 640 Toronto presents Think Tank, two guests, Toronto's top stories. Now, let's meet the guests. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah, 736. I'll do what you say. Two degrees currently, up to have 10 later on. Double-digit temperatures throughout, and we love having our next two folks on. She's the former deputy mayor of the city of Toronto. She is Anna Bailao. It's great to have you back.
1: Good morning, Greg. Good morning, Mohammed.
0: And here's the famous, infamous Mohammed Faki. He joins us now on Toronto today. I saw your video yesterday. You got the poppy on. Good for you. Well, I, I, I still have to pick one up. I'm calling myself out. Before noon today, Mohammed, I'll have a poppy on to, uh, to recognize uh, Remembrance Day coming up in nine days.
2: Good morning to you, and good morning. And <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I buy uh, 10 poppies from Sherway Garden. They have this beautiful gold pin. You don't have to lose it every time because with the suit and you change suit, it's better to have it pinned
0: well, you're a lot more organized than me, and maybe Anna falls in the middle because I buy ten Mohammed, and I lose ten. So it is important <laughs> to buy ten. You know, throw a, throw a ten dollar bill into the into the uh, hopper there, and then you'll be fortunate if you're able to to find one by the time November 11th rolls around. But I like I like the sentiment. Let's start here uh, from Justin Trudeau. Yesterday, he was in Toronto. He met with uh, Palestinian family members of those still in Gaza. Here's some of what the Prime Minister said. Which is why we are calling for humanitarian aid and water and fuel to flow into
1: Gaza. We're calling on humanitarian pauses to allow that to happen. We're calling on the liberation of hostages, on aid to flow in, and on uh, Canadians and their families to get out
0: of Gaza through the RAFA crossing. What we are hearing positive, positive okay. things. We what, are what hearing positive
1: Canadian news today. around movement at the RAFA crossing.
0: Okay, that's Justin Trudeau in a scrum last night. Anna, let me start with you. That's a pretty definitive statement from Prime Minister Trudeau. Um, I, I think saying something every day with all the moving parts is asking a bit much. What do you think about what he's suggesting? And, and because this is so complex, I, I also get that not every single Liberal MP or Cabinet Minister Um, says the exact same thing. Bill Blair doesn't agree with Melanie Jolie and vice versa. I almost understand why we're there at this point.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and and independently of where you stand on the conflict, I think everybody can agree that the loss of innocent lives is horrific, and it's and and the 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 call for the humanitarian aid, the humanitarian pause needs to happen. I think the prime minister has been uh, in close contact with allies already. This is a call that we've heard from the United States as well, uh, and it, it's imperative that happens, that humanitarian pause, so that. Uh, we can uh, get people out, we can get support uh, to people, so uh, the loss of innocent lives uh, stops from happening, it is imperative. I think that he's Mm -hmm. hearing from Canadians. I think um, he was very clear on, uh, once again, denouncing uh, the horrific acts that Hazmas had on October 7th. Um, The call for the... uh, the uh, release of the hostages, but that justice, justice couldn't come at the price, at uh, any mm. price, right? And the, the innocent life uh, need to be uh, taken care of. And I think that he was very clear on that uh, on that statement. And you're going to hear people that want Uh, uh, to hear more and uh, others that that want to hear less but I I think that uh, he was very clear yesterday on on what Canada is trying to do
0: Mohamed, what do you think of his statement and I asked this because I mentioned earlier I think if you took any 100 people and there's 158 Liberal MPs and and gave them all a a, a quick 20 question quiz on how they feel about this conflict and what should be done we might even get 158 different answers what do you think about what the Prime Minister said and, and what I just said as well
2: Yeah, no, I'll start with what you said, uh, and it's a very important question. Thank you for asking it. Uh, Look, of course, it makes sense, particularly in a democracy like ours, that people, including our politicians and MP, do not think or say the exact same thing. We all have different views, for sure, and politicians have a responsibility to represent them all, with reason, for sure. And of course, I expect our prime minister to defend human life, but on all sides, and try to find ways to stop the killing of innocent civilians in israel and in gaza and talk openly about the need to do so even when it's difficult his statement like anna said it came a little bit late for me because i'm someone who always always calling for peace and immediate ceasefire and it's not taking sides to state that the killing has to stop all of it yesterday today tomorrow every day words matter And representing all Canadians on Mm. that should be easy. Stop the killing, demand peace, demand the exchange of all hostages. And through whatever means possible, we're a humanitarian nation. Thousands are dying now. It has to end. That's impossible.
0: Yeah. Um, Let's move to that, Mohammed. Some people, I know you made a video of it yesterday. I watched it. (laughs) Um, some people have been reprimanded for for social media posts um, about this conflict. I sent you an example of a of a doctor that was suspended for um, talking about you know babies and rapes. I won't get into the graphic nature of it but it, 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 I would say if we're an employee, there's a brand to to represent. You are very outspoken though about people's rights right to post their thoughts but but sometimes those thoughts come with consequence. How, how do you view it? is there a line you look for and you say, Saying what you just said, who wouldn't disagree with, but I think we'd agree on 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 every side of this conflict. There's some people that have that have said some really nasty things about the other side is the best way I can put it.
2: Yeah, and sometimes you don't say nasty things, but people want to take it as nasty things. Like you can't call for peace anymore because you'll get attacked and you get called name and using accusation to to silence you just for calling for peace. But on the employee employer side, Of course, look, we can't expect people uh, to just being being silent and not say anything when they're hurting and dealing with it with silence when someone is killed or their friend uh, or their friend parents got killed somewhere in the world. We can't expect them to deal with it with silence and on their own. But at the same time, it cannot cross the line of hate speech. So, yes, it is okay to post something that makes other maybe a little bit uncomfortable. That's part of coexisting all of us together. But it cannot ever Across the line and reach hate speech. And, you know, and I'm sure all of us has read. I've gone through four years. It took me two years to prove words said about me that actually rise to the level that we will be called legally hate speech.
0: So you had you had I should tell the people you had a defamation lawsuit and, and you sued someone and won, correct?
2: Yeah, 100 percent. And, you know, it took us two years and over $200,000 to prove that it was a hate speech. So I look at this email. I look at many statements and why people are getting fired. I promise you it's going to take a lot for the employer to prove that this is reaches even close to the level of hate speech. Nobody should be fired. People could be taken aside, explain the policy of the company, talk to them, make them feel better that they're heard. Hopefully they will not really get to the Place and spot where they're making their colleague uncomfortable, but you can't yeah. fire them for that. And you said yeah. something like that is amazing. You said uh, freedom of speech does not come with the freedom of consequences. And going on a firing a spree a spree has the consequences too, because people will go and see the,
0: seek their legal rights. Sure. Yeah, they may think the employer's gone too far. They may back the employer. That's again. That's that's everybody has that thought. Anna, you can imagine as a as a politician. Um. These are things that just 20 years ago when we were teenagers or in our early 20s, we just didn't worry about mom and dad screwing up on social media because there wasn't any. And I'd say the same about, uh, you know, a, a huge diverse city like Toronto. You're going to get a lot of counselors with a lot of different opinions and ways to express themselves. It's a tricky balance, isn't it?
1: it it's a different world. And, yeah. and, and these things, what you say today will come to haunt you 20 years from now. Um, because everything stays out there. Everything is out there. I think, uh, Mohammed said something that, that is, is, uh, important is people are suffering and you can't expect them to suffer in silence. And I think it is important for people to speak up. Um But we need to understand that that doesn't, doesn't allow them the freedom to have hate speech or to uh, to, uh, you know, uh, state uh, Islamophobic or anti-Semitic uh, statements out there. Or like we've seen call, calling for boycott of business and and kudos on somebody like Mohammed that has he's been yeah. calling for peace, but he's been denouncing that. And, you know, when you're somebody like that, that that. You know, you have your views, you have your principles. I think we need to ensure that those people have a place to speak up. But on the other hand, when there is, uh, Islamophobic comments or anti-Semitic comments and action, we need to call them out, and people need to understand that there's consequences to that.
0: That's really well said. Hey, Mohammed, let's. Let, Anna brought it up, so let's push it to you. Has your business seen an uptick, a downtick? Again, you can imagine in what I do and what all of us do, we can't make everybody happy all the time. Not, not with an issue like this, we can't, can we?
2: Yeah, and I'm honestly, yeah, of course, our businesses has received messages of hate and messages where people calling us names. And this idea of eventually all of us, we're going to get to the idea of we have to stop the killing immediately. And the Mm -hmm. idea, the fact that I speak and defend uh, the views of let's call for peace, let's call for peace, to be taken against anyone is not fair. And having the business and the employee feeling unsafe is not fair. I called out what happened on Cafe Landwork in no time. Right away, immediately, because no businesses deserve that. But in our country, we should all unite and remember in a month or two, hopefully from today, we're going to go back to be friends and neighbors and remember the love and the support Mm. we had for each other. Let's keep it. Keep that bridge built not destroy it, it's just to gain a couple likes on social media.
0: That's Mohamed Faki uh, speaking. Anna Baila is with us as well. This is Think Tank on 640 Toronto on Toronto Today. Um, I'm going to come to you on this, Anna. Fans of uh, Justin Trudeau, the Liberal Party, are seeing poll numbers just just bottom out right now. We're seeing a 41% approval rate, or 41% potentially, if an election were held today on a few polls for the Conservative Party. That magical number of 200 plus seats, which we haven't seen in a long, long time since the Cretchen liberals in 1993 so i'll tell you a quick story my 15 year old son really engaged in politics he asked me in the car yesterday will there be an election soon i said well it's up it's up to the prime minister to call it and i also explained he shouldn't be calling it anytime soon so let's start with you if the liberals want to play the long game anna and and have a shot here to hold off what looks like a real charging bull in the cpc do you think they need as much time as they can to, to build back if you will
1: um, absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty uh, positive that they're, uh, they are they want to continue to govern for, uh, for a few more years to change these numbers. I just caution, you know, polls are a snapshot in yep. time, and I am somebody that believes that campaigns do matter. I've seen it with other elections, and I've seen polls just recently, experiencing it myself, that <laughs> polls sometimes don't really tell the whole story. You know, there was no poll that called uh, the, the last municipal election that close, and uh, and it did happen. Uh, so, uh, but I think there is something that uh, that uh, has to be said about about these polls. There is a sentiment out there uh, of a government that has been around for eight years, right? And so there's. Uh, uh, there's some uh, issues. There, there's the fact that they've been in, in, in government for some time and they will use uh, the deal with the NDP to, to try to continue to be on government to, to change the numbers quite a bit. We've seen a lot of action Uh, in some of the files to address the affordability issue to uh, speaking on housing issues. This is all actions that uh, that they know that matter to Canadians. And they're really keen on on changing these numbers. That's 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 what it tells me.
0: I'm going to come to Mohammed in a sec. But Anna, just to clarify, you you, you, um, had 32 and a half percent of the vote in the mayoral by-election. And I know you and I had conversations maybe a week before, maybe your last seven, eight days before where you're looking at polls at 11 and you're like, that's not what we're seeing. Like it's it was ridiculous how off some of the mayoral poll. The mayor herself got 37 percent. It was and you probably had more people vote for you on Election Day. It was the advance poll numbers that probably gave yeah. Mayor Chow the win. You had more people come out on Election Day than she did, I think.
1: Exactly. So so campaigns do matter. Um, and mm. and so uh, I, I think it's important to always remember that. And but there are some you know, companies that are putting out polls, you know, very credible uh, companies. Yeah. And I'm sure that. You know, the government and the Liberals and everybody and the other parties as, as well are looking at it. And uh, and there's some concern uh, in, in government, for sure, that they're looking at these numbers and they're not happy. And they want to make sure that they connect with uh, with Canadians to go into an election, whenever that happens, uh, into a much better position.
0: Mohamed, how would you advise Justin Trudeau? Wait this out, wait as long as you can, give better policies to people, win the public back. What would you tell them to do? Well... <laughs>
2: the polls don't lie for sure they do lie sometimes but it says 75 percent you can actually take it and i agree with anna with everything he said obviously the government is in trouble but the election is not tomorrow and as anna said and knows and she said it very well when it comes to elections sometimes it goes down to the last thing they say they do for the last 10 15 days and it might make a difference as well so look the government needs to do much much better and they, there are signs that they are acting more on what's important to people and to Canadians and the people what the people want from their government, like on housing, on affordability. But they have a long way to go. Having said all that, I would never, never count Justin Trudeau out yet. He's been a prime minister for eight, year, eight years for a reason. He just needs to find his center again. And this yeah. conflict is not helping him as much. And you know what? He needs to show that his vision of Canada is closer to what people want. And Mm. more than what Polyavir offering, which is, I still believe, is not the answer.
0: Yeah, I feel like you're not going to vote for him. I feel like we're <laughs> I feel like you're on record that you will not, uh, that's not going to be where your, uh, your vote gets cast. I want to play you guys no, no, course,
2: yeah. Go ahead. You're right, I agree.
0: Okay. Let me play you something from the Immigration Minister, Mark Miller, because this is really significant for all of us uh, for all of us who love Canada, for all of us who could bring in uh, new neighbors next to us. Uh, immigration is a massively important issue, but I'd argue it's contentious at times. Here's what the Immigration Minister said yesterday about keeping the numbers where they're going to, where he had first forecast them in the next three years. You know, we have been defining the needs in broad macroeconomic strokes over the last little while and made some very ambitious increases that I think Canada needs and and the consensus that we've created in Canada is that we need it. Uh, but now what we're seeing is the need to take stock of what that actually really looks like and the impacts that this has had on different areas of the economy, housing being one, healthcare being another. Mm. And while that economic motive is still there, What we've heard, particularly given the strategic immigration review, Okay. Okay. The Middle East and immigration. Who doesn't love wading into both those topics? So, Mohammed, let's start with you. The federal government keeps its plans in place. It sounds like a lot of permanent visas, getting close to a half million a year for the next three years. But we're so far behind on building homes. So I, I know this makes people anxious. I understand current Canadians. I don't think it's xenophobic that they're anxious to say, is there enough to go around for everybody? These are honest questions. And we want new Canadians to have a fair shot at success coming here. What do you think of the plan?
2: Well, I think it's good that the government has decided to stabilize the annual number. And that's because of the only reason that we're late. I would never support anything but immigration. Immigration has made this country for centuries, and it still does today, right? I think so. It's good that they're making that move to be better at housing, affordability, and other things as well, like, you know, the health care. So, Look, we do need and we need to attract people to come here. The people that we need so badly and the talents for economic growth and everything that adds to the country. But we also have to make sure that they and all Canadians have the opportunity to succeed. And that is the fair thing to do for all of them. And so I'm very mm-hmm. glad that they're stabilizing until we're ready to bring in more. But Canada won't be the same in 15 years. If we don't bring people in to look after our seniors, I've worked in the immigration file. I've worked for the United yeah. Nations on the refugees. So I know that for a fact.
0: It, and it's it, it is a tricky game. What Mohammed says is correct. But what I, we had an expert on yesterday from Western University about immigration patterns. And he says there does need to be almost a little bit of a shove, nothing mandated to spread those new Canadians out into centres and industries where we need them the most, them all assembling in Toronto and Ottawa. um, As you know, in Toronto, really, it pushes us right to the gills, doesn't it?
1: Um, Well, I should start by saying that, uh, Greg... You're speaking to two immigrants, so yeah. uh, let <laughs> 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 remind you of that, uh, and 50% of the population of this city wasn't even born in Canada, so when Mohammed says, you know, immigration has built this country, I think that is, you know, the, those are the facts, and it, it will continue to do so. I think pe- we keep talking about immigration as the problem, but immigration is actually the solution. We talk about housing. One of the issues that we have in housing is a huge shortage of labor. We have thousands of people in the trades that are going to retire. We need thousands of people to replace those those uh, um, uh, tradespeople, and we don't have them to right yeah. have more in schools and so on. Healthcare, same thing, huge shortages of staff. So... There needs to be absolutely a better coordination of our immigration policy with the skills that the country needs and obviously a a, a speed up of the construction of housing, absolutely. But immigration is actually the solution to some of the issues that we're talking about. We're not going to solve the housing crisis if we don't have people to build the housing.
0: Yeah, and, and it's exactly that. It's where will they live, where will they work? But I would make the case that the federal government kind of forgot those two aspects that have to blend in with the actual numbers and we're all playing a little catch up here now.
1: Exactly. And that is important that they're very targeted, Mm. very focused on bringing those files together and actions that actually actually benefit uh, these things. So ensuring that we're yeah. bringing people to those sectors is going to be uh, uh, crucial.
0: Really quick. Let's get to your reading habits, because the Britney Spears autobiography is number one on all the bestseller charts. I know, Mohammed, <laughs> you're on Chapter eight right now. I won't spoil the ending. She gets emancipated no, from her parents. Don't. But no, I won't. I won't. But Mohammed, give me a favorite self-written autobiographical book. Give me somebody whose story you loved reading.
2: I mean, I love uh, Ali, Muhammad Ali. Yes. OK. I love it, I really love it in every way, and Martin Luther King says things that applies today. That often I read it, and I scratch my head, and i said, I, would, I say to myself, "This applies exactly today, and if people mm. you know heard him at that time, they would never believe him, they would never agree with him, but today they do, they agree with him, and they they show it as well. We show it in our companies, we show it yeah. in our businesses and our political parties. So I love the biography of Ali for sure I you can't time.
0: you can't go wrong with Dr. King. Anna, do you have a quick one that you just you loved, and maybe you, you loved it even more than you thought.
1: You, you know, I, I, it, this is not going to come as a surprise. I love reading uh, political autobiography. So I've done a lot of that. So from our prime ministers, Cretan to presidents of Obama. Uh, but I particularly like when it's women politics, uh, mm-hmm. politicians, because uh, I get those aha uh-huh moments. It's like, oh, I can see that. I remember when I was reading one of Hillary uh, Clinton's book, and she was mentioning how hard it was for her to say, I, you know, to take credit for things. And I'm like, I know that because I remember when we were in the campaign, my communications people would say, stop saying we, just say I. And I'm like, but I can't say I. And it's like, like, oh, I can see I can see this is a problem in women in politics. So I love reading, uh, um, you know, uh, political biographies.
0: Amazing. Hey, loved having you both on today. Thanks for the uh, real talk and all that, all the rest of it. You guys are a great panel. Thanks for the time. No,
2: thank thank you. you very much. Thank you, Anna.
0: Uh, there's Muhammad Faki and a joining us on Think Tank.